Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It's another edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy coming to you on this Thursday from the PAXA Studios in Honolulu. And my guest co-host for the day, uh, one of my faves, of course, uh, one of my good buddies and always a great supporter and friend of the program. Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, is in the house. And usually because he goes to work right after this show, uh, he is usually donning like a dress shirt. Uh, he's looking very dapper. Uh, the hair is is full of product and uh, neatly parted. Today, though, you're kind of going like a little bit more grungy, like a little bit like, uh, you know, old school grunge scene in Seattle kind of thing. And I happen to love it, Robbie. Oh, does his microphone work? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, what a great introduction this was. Uh, all right, we'll see if we can get uh, Rob's uh, microphone working. It looks like this thing is plugged in the way it's supposed to be, but uh, who knows? I'm sorry, Rob. We're going to get this uh, working here. Uh, Josh Pacheco is is on the job. Uh, but, yeah, Robbie D., uh, we are starting this show, uh, this very live radio show, as you can tell, uh, smooth as sandpaper. Uh, Rob, when you want to test your mic there? Uh, check, there check, yeah, there you go. So everything was plugged yeah. in okay. It was just, you know, we needed to... Uh, Turn you know, a switch a of some sort. Pushed yeah. here, there, and uh, you know, it's part of the grunge look. That, you know, it, that is. To, it's you're, so unpredictable. You're such a nonconformist. Yeah. You're so <laughs> anti-establishment. You're like bleep whatever switches and levels and knobs have to be turned on. I'm I'm uh, going against the grain here. But uh, getting back to our original point, you're looking good, man. Uh, thank you. You know, uh, and uh, what happened was that on mornings that I go to University of Hawaii football spring training camp, I get out of the house super early. And I don't want to wake up my wife and my my youngest and have them be awake sooner than they need to be. And so I sleep out in uh, on the couch on those mornings or those nights that, that lead up to that morning. And so usually I have my clothes out. And I forgot to do that. So I pretty much was stuck <laughs> just wearing whatever happened to be out of my bedroom. And so this is what I came up with. And uh, I don't know, man. I might be on to something. You seem to, to like it. And yeah. I'm, I'm tapping into my Kurt Cobain. And kind of dig it. Yeah, yeah. let's kinda do it. dig it. It's, uh, it's uh, a Nirvana-esque, uh, Soundgarden-esque <laughs> Alice in Chains. How about that grunge knowledge that I'm flexing right here uh, to start the show, uh, which has gotten off to such a fantastic uh, start. No, um, 808-296-1420 is the number to call. Uh, you mentioned – all right, it begs the question before we move on to – you mentioned you know UH football in the morning. I want to get your opinion on what you've seen here so far in the spring. But – it begs the question, what if there were no clothes that were outside? Like, um, I would imagine it, it would just be, like, whatever you wore last night before you went to bed. Or, like, what What are we talking about, potentially? How difficult could this situation have turned into? It would have been difficult for my wife uh, because I would have woken her up <laughs> okay, and barged okay. into the bedroom. Uh, because, yeah, I don't think anyone <laughs> wants to see what I wear to sleep <laughs> out at UH football practice. <laughs> Robbie D and his boxers just covering UH spring yeah. practice. That's right. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, speaking of UH spring practice, um, what have been your impressions here uh, the first uh, few days that, that they've been in action? Yeah, obviously the headline and, and what all eyes just force yourself to be looking at is the offense with the run and shoot. And 
I mean, it is the run and shoot. When you watch these guys, I mean, it's all of the formations that you're used to from, you know, the many, many years of seeing the run and shoot in action. It's Timmy Chang being super hands-on. I mean, he's essentially the quarterback's coach now and running the offense. And so um, that has been something that jumped out to me is just how hands-on he is, how vocal he is, uh, how how intense he could be uh, during these practices uh, in teaching the run and shoot. And so it's been a lot of, a lot of fun over these first three practices and just seeing these guys get uh, comfortable with it. I think the thing that jumps out is that there aren't a lot of drops. And I think a, a lot of that can be credited to the run and shoot gets you open, right? Someone is going to be open when you're running the run and shoot. And obviously we are looking at Spring training camp. Yes. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is all, you know, thousands. So we're of, thinking college football playoff. Like, uh, I'd say the three seed of the college <laughs> football playoff. No, so obviously, I mean, this is just practice and, 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 and who you're going up against. And obviously, you, you are working on perfecting something while the defense is working on and perfecting something else. And it's not even the else. full roster yet. Exactly. Um, but with that being said, uh, the, the receivers jump out to me as, as far as the, the maybe the unit that has grown the most or, or could be the most improved. And, and like I said, I mean, you would see a lot of drops at practice. You, you'd be at training camp with me last year, and there were drops. Not seeing as much of that this time around. But I do think a lot of that has to do with the amount of space that the run and shoot allows you to have. That the quarters aren't as tight. Um, quarterback Braden Shager is getting the ball to the open guy as opposed to getting the ball to this guy who this play calls for getting the ball. And maybe that's not the guy that should be getting the ball right now, right? And, and so... Uh, it's going to be a uh, you know growth o- over time, and, and you're going to see this team get more and more comfortable. But it's been interesting to watch as far as the run and shoot being implemented. It's it, it is also interesting how that has m- continued to be at least in the last couple of iterations when you had a former University of Hawaii quarterback and Nick Rolovich taking over the head coaching position. Now Timmy Chang, another former UH quarterback, and that evolution of like. You know, the run and shoot is part of their past and part of what they learned and part of you know what is ingrained in them from a football philosophy standpoint. And yet, I think there was a desire to maybe try to do something that maybe is more of a sign of the college football times, perhaps. I think there was also consideration on both fronts given to, hey, look, I'm a first-time head coach now, and I got to kind of take care of some of the off-the-field head coaching duties and responsibilities. I know for Timmy Chang, that was a big one. And so he's like, let me delegate some of this the architecture and the blueprint drawing of of the offensive scheme uh, and and I I'll, I'll kind of take care of being the face of the program stuff and so you you could see the evolution it happened with Rolo it's happening now with with coach Chang where um, maybe that comfort level is is increasing and so they feel like they can be more involved that's a uh, I think B the fact that you know it's their stamp on this thing like it is Timmy Chang's face and name attached to this program. If it succeeds, he is going to be the guy whose name is attached to it. If it falls or if or if it does not go as hoped, um, he's going to be the guy that has to fall on that sword and ultimately will have to absorb all of the accountability and responsibility. And so there's almost that part of it, too, where it's like, well, hey, look, if we're going down, we're going down my way. We're going to do it my way. And I think that you saw that. With Nick Rolovich, I think you're seeing that with Timmy Chang. And I, for one, feel like that is more suitable, uh, certainly to those two guys' personalities, right? And, 
you know, there is just a comfort level with that offensive scheme. Timmy said it last year. He said, you know, as, as the season went on, you know, we just start to realize, like, we have – at least on the offensive side, what looks to be, and even with some of the players that we're recruiting and early commits that we're getting, we are building what looks to be a run-and-shoot roster on the offensive side of the ball. And so whether it's out of demand, whether it's out of desperation, whether it's out of just, you know, these these coaches kind of feeling more responsible uh, for what happens, um, this evolution uh, has precedent and we have seen it succeed. And so that's kind of what gives me hope here is thinking about exactly what you're discussing. Some of these receiving weapons uh, that we would talk about last year when they were struggling on offense and be like, that guy would probably be really good in the run and shoot. Or even Braden Shager as a quarterback. But like He can make a lot of the throws. He'd probably be pretty good in a run and shoot system where maybe he can make a lot of pre-snap decisions. He can get it off quickly. He can just stand back there and gun it because he can spin it about his well as anybody that we've seen here in recent years uh, at the on that campus uh, and so yeah to, to me hearing what you're talking about brings a certain level of comfort I think and two words jump out to everything you just said comfort was one and belief is the other and I think that's what the run and shoot provides to the University of Hawaii is that this is an offense that was used in what, f- there's been five conference or division titles in this program's history in over 100 years. That's a n- whole nother conversation, <laughs> right? When, when, when you talk about expectations of the University of Hawaii in over 100 years, uh, you know, you, you have, well, I guess less than that because of how long they've been affiliated with the conference. So since the mid-70s, there's been five conference or divisional titles. Of those five, 1992 ran the, the, the triple option, right? The other four... We're all run-and-shoot offenses, okay, 99, mm-hmm. 2007, 2010, and 2019. Three different head coaches yeah. using that system. And so I think that's what anyone that's on this roster right now, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, you can have confidence that this will work because it has worked before. And not only just for one guy. It's not like you're just looking at like, oh, well, June Jones did No, Greg McMackin did it with a different OC. Rolo did it with a different OC. June did it with a different OC, right? And so it, it has worked amongst eras here at the University mm-hmm. of Hawaii. And so you could have confidence in that. I was talking to Jared Ursua, the receivers coach, and he said that from the end of last season to right now, he thinks that his receivers room has watched every game for, of those 1999 through 2011 and then 2017, 18, 19, that they have been just watching film of guys. And so you have these receivers walking out who maybe have never seen Jason Rivers or Devon Bess or Greg Salas play, but now they're they're heroes. Mm-hmm. They are obsessed with the run and shoot and what you're able to do. And and so we're talking about, oh, these guys, you know, that, that are being put up on a pedestal right now by these young kids of Devon Bess and Ryan Grice Mullins. I want to be just like them. And I explained the Ursuo too, where I was like, you know, these guys can also look up to guys like John Maderos and Aaron Bain and Ian Sample and Ross Dickerson, guys that— Britt Comine. Britt Comine, guys that weren't the 1,000-yard yeah. receivers, but look at the careers yeah. that they had in yeah. the run-and-shoot offense. And so I think that's what's happening right now with this offense is that they, without even having done it yet, they walk onto the field every day believing that it's going to work. Because everything that they've seen on film and everything that they've seen over these other years and going from 
years that were not good, and then boom, you put in the run and shoot, and then like 2017 to 2018, they think it's going to work. They have no doubts in their mind that they're going to put up huge numbers this season, and that's almost where the battle begins, right? Is yeah, that if you buy in, if you believe yeah. it's going to work, that puts you so much further along than if you're trying to visualize, okay, what does this look like when it's working? What is this supposed to mm-hmm. look like? We haven't seen it yet, but what is it going to look? They know exactly what it's supposed to look like. And that puts you in a good spot. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. This has been a long diagnosed situation when it comes to uh, the kinds of recruits that Hawaii tends to bring into its program, right? Um, and I think part of the reason why when we saw the Norm Chow era play out, uh, we saw this pro-style philosophy on offense, uh, at least the intended pro-style philosophy, how, how it, it tended to struggle because it requires each guy along that line of scrimmage and at every position to win their individual battle. And yeah, that's a great philosophy and it works fantastic when you got Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and all of these studs across the board. Uh, it's a little bit different, though, at the University of Hawaii. You have to be realistic. You have to understand, hey, look, we're not going to have, you know, four-star, five-star guys at every single position. And so how do we level the playing field? And that's really the whole thing behind an offense that's a little bit more unorthodox, like the run and shoot, or if you traverse all the way to the other end of the spectrum and you look at the spread option of Paul Johnson back in those days, as you mentioned, uh, and you just think to yourself, all right, this is this is what they are implementing to level the playing field. It's the great equal. Equalizer. It's because, all right, maybe you have more studs on your side of the ball at the line of scrimmage. But this is a way where we can actually take advantage of some of the things we have. We're going to spread you out in the run and shoot, or we're going to you know, uh, spread you out in the spread option, and we're going to keep you on your toes because we're going to run this option offense. And we have you know, traditionally uh, linemen who can run block and, and tough guys that, that are willing to, to put their bodies on the lines and, and maintain uh, their responsibilities in the blocking scheme and all of that stuff. And it just – we've – seen the success that comes from just kind of knowing who you are, recognizing the University of Hawaii is a little bit of a different kind of program. At its level, you got to find a way to even the playing field, and I think that's why uh, the the return of the run and shoot is certainly a welcome idea. I, I think the other thing, too, is what's interesting is it's the run and shoot, but the run and shoot isn't the same run and shoot that June was running. It's not the same run and shoot that Miles Davis back in the day was running. You see each head coach or offensive coordinator uh, apply at least elements of their own philosophy, right? Rolo, uh, even back when uh, he was coordinating under McMackin, you know, they'd use that pistol mm-hmm. uh, formation in the run and shoot. And that thing worked. I mean, when you had like Alex Green back there, that thing worked incredibly well. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what. Uh, Elements that are individual to Timmy Chang, right? What elements that are unique to his philosophy, how those get sprinkled in. Yeah, and I think the the big one that jumps out right away that you could see is that, you know, Timmy Chang spent most of his coaching career as a tight ends coach. Yeah. And you see that in this run and shoot, that his visualization of how this run and shoot offense will go and one of the big focal points of it is implementing a tight end, which isn't that far off when you think about, especially in that Greg McMacken era of the run and shoot, is that you had Greg Salas in the inside slot. In today's world, you would look at Greg Salas and be like, that's a tight end, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and, and so they essentially ran the run and shoot with a tight end. On the opposite side of him was Kealoha Polaris. And then when you see them at practice now, one of the inside receivers is Devin Tawafea or Landon Sims. You, you have... Um, 
uh, Grayson Morgan. You have bigger tight end type guys. And on the opposite side of them, on that inside receiver, you have the smaller guy. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they can uh, work hand in hand with each other. Uh, I think a big weapon is Tylen Hines as your running back because this is a guy that's a natural receiver. And so now when you are running you know, a, a formation that might be empty and you're bringing the running back into that spot or you start with the running back mm-hmm. there and then he goes in motion and lines up as an inside receiver. This isn't just a running back lining up as an inside receiver. You got five receivers. This is an yeah. inside receiver yeah. that happens to be playing running back. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a lot of little wrinkles to this run and shoot with this brand that they have and this roster that they have that could be very interesting yeah i mean you know, we got a long way to go it's a long way until the season but i, I think you're right I, I i the comfort level is the thing and the buy-in from the players is obviously key and i'm excited about tylen hines maybe getting the the ball beyond the line of scrimmage in a little bit more of an open field scenario and seeing what he might be capable of that kind of stuff is very exciting well because that's the about. thing too right is that if he lines up that's a linebacker on yeah, him that's true right yeah or even if you line them up on the outside and let's say that the defense forces their corner to stay with Tylen Hines, well, then that means someone who lined up in the receiver is now going to have a linebacker on mm-hmm. him, right? So, I mean, it creates some mismatches. It's almost like what the Patriots did with Rob Gronkowski for so many years is that he was a tight end, yes, but when you really lay it out of all the different positions he was playing and lining up on, on, as an outside receiver on a bunch of those after motion and being forced for either a corner who's going to be severely undersized trying to stop Rob Gronkowski or a linebacker who is not as quick as Rob Gronkowski. I mean, it created those mismatches. And I think that there's a similar idea with Tylen Hines and the amount of mismatches that he could create. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. And getting back to Greg Salas, you know, there, uh, he's at a lot of the UH events. And so, you know, I'll walk up from behind him. And I always think to myself now, that's a tight end. <laughs> All right, this is a good segue because it's ESPN Honolulu's Valentine's giveaway presented by Hawaii Dental Service. We're giving away a prize every day until Valentine's Day. Today, we're giving away a $150 gift card to Moku Kitchen. That's a good place. Visit our Instagram at ESPN Honolulu. All right, we'll be back. Rob DeMello in the house. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu being joined as uh, my guest co-host for the day, Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, Robbie D. Uh, Good to have you here once again. Josh Pacheco is working the board. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. We were talking about the offense uh, and what it has looked like here through three days of spring ball. Uh, Your impressions of the other side of the ball, um, Defensively, how, how how does it look? Very much a um, an incomplete picture as far as personnel. They got a lot more coming uh, before fall camp, but um, just in these three days during the spring, your thoughts? Yeah, there's some guys that we still got to see uh, uh, join the defensive line. Sauce Williams a uh, one, is, yeah. is a big one that that literally, I think, yeah, <laughs> large man uh, that will probably be plug and play right away um he's just not here with the team yet uh, but you look at the, the additions i think elijah robinson the defensive end from east carolina cam stone the nickel or you know he was a corner at wyoming it looks like he'll probably be a nickel here at the university of hawaii uh he has been solid he's had 
good practice after good practice so far and really has added a lot to the defense. And then you look at the guys that got really valuable playing time last year, Peter Manuma, Logan Taylor, guys that didn't start the year as guys that were expected to see a lot of the field who ended the year as probably their best defensive players. Uh, those guys have grown exponentially in the offseason, too, just as far as comfort. I mean, we were talking about comfort in, uh, in, in discussing the offense and the run and shoot. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, this looks like a team or, or a unit that has a chip on their shoulder from based on having grown as much as they did from one se- within one season. Because, I mean, you remember how it started last year and even at New Mexico State and and then when you got into conference play, I mean, the defense kept this team in games, and they weren't able to walk away with a lot of wins, obviously. But this defense grew under pressure. And a guy like Logan Taylor, who was thrown in as an injury oh, replacement for Isaiah Tufanga, and then now they're side-by-side side as the linebackers. And I talked to Isaiah today about playing next to Logan, and he said, like, hey, everyone in the linebackers' room knew how good Logan was. He just wasn't getting the chance. When Isaiah was hurt... Um, Logan got his chance. And and so now there's the thought of, yeah, we think he can be good if he got you know the amount of time to play, but he's not getting the amount of time to play because this guy is in front of him, and Isaiah was the guy mm-hmm. in front of him, and he's the one telling me this, right? And once you see it, then it's like, yes, okay, what we saw is absolutely what could happen. And that's what happened. And now you fast forward a year, and these are the two linebackers here starting for the University of Hawaii. There's a comfort level between the two of them that is, is sky high. And so this is a defense, uh, I think, that if I were to say through three practices, which, again, is three practices, <laughs> but they're a little No, ahead. I want to know a record prediction yeah. for next season. What is it? <laughs> they're, a little he- they're a little ahead of the offense, and I think they should be because yeah. when you really weigh it out, this is an offense that's starting – uh, implementing something from scratch where this defense has been around for over a year now, right? And, and so um, I, I think it's been quality practices. I want to say they had four takeaways today in, in team drills. Um, so I, I think uh, this is a defense that has grown uh, under Jacob Euro at, as defensive coordinator. Uh, all right, we got Rob DeMello, KHUN2 Sports Director. He is in the house with me, Kanoa Leahy. This is Let's Talk Sports. 808-296-1420 is the number to call or text uh, if you have a question or comment. We do have a texter, a uh, 721 number. Baseball America predicted baseballs finish seventh in the Big West, question mark. Really? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So, um your reaction to that? Oh, it says sixth, sixth place. Sorry, that was uh, Josh Pacheco, uh, who uh, I guess wrote the wrong place. Josh, uh, what do you do during the spring? Uh, I do baseball. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, no, I, I hadn't even seen the Baseball America Bad fingers, uh, sorry. predictions. Yeah, no, all good. I think we're in the same region, no problem. But um, yeah, your reaction? Uh, that's that's what the Big West Conference preseason coaches poll had Hawaii sixth. So uh, that seems to be fairly consistent. Uh, I think the conference as a whole, everyone sort of was in agreement. Um, you know, wasn't its best version. Last year, I think they're expecting some of these teams to once again take steps forward. Long Beach State uh, with some some high expectations, obviously, going into the year. A bit of a uh, revamped roster, or at least a lot of additions, we can say, to this Hawaii roster going into the season. She's They get going next week. Like This is right around the corner. What, how are you feeling about the baseball season coming up, Rob? Well, I'm not surprised on where they're being picked because this is probably where they should be picked for anyone that's outside of the program. Right now, if you were to ask Rich Hill... You 
if you were to ask some of these guys, I think this is a very confident group because of what they have coming back offensively. They're returning eight of their top ten hitters. This is a team that over the course of the season, we talk about the UH football defense growing. I mean, nobody at the University of Hawaii, with the exception of maybe the Rainbow Wahine basketball team last year, grew more than this baseball team within the start to the end of the season. I mean, this was a team that was putting up double digits on the regular uh, offensively towards the back end of that season. And, and they have most of the hitters coming back. So um, I think they're very confident. But now you're re- you're replacing almost all of the pitchers. And that's why I think someone like Baseball America, even the Big West poll, right, they're looking at, well, who's going to be pitching for the University of Hawaii? Again, this is a group that's very confident in what they've been able to bring in from a pitching standpoint, who will be getting the ball. Um, but if you're on the outside looking in, this is a team with a ton of question marks. And so, you know, I think that's probably appropriate yeah. where they should be picked. Yeah. I mean, can 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 some of these guys who individually took so many, like, huge strides from the beginning of the year to the end of the year uh, last season, can, can they kind of keep that momentum going into this season or start off where they left off? I, I think that's a, a big question mark, and it's a big ask for sure. Uh, but I think that's what was so encouraging about that baseball season a year ago uh, first under Rich Hill is the fact that uh, it trended in a different direction than what we had sort of gotten more familiar with in the last few years of, of Mike Trapasso no uh, disrespect at all uh, but you saw the team kind of taper off um, they would have like heavy losing streaks down the stretch of seasons uh, at least the four or five years uh, prior to Rich Hill and last year that was a different story and so I think it was encouraging had there been a conference tournament uh, in place last season I think Hawaii would have been one of those teams that the opposing squads would have been weary of going up against because I think it was that kind of trend for them. They felt like they could compete with just about anybody, and I think that that actually was evident uh, by the way they were playing on the field. But, yeah, I mean, who knows if that can be re captured or or if that can somehow be duplicated here this season they have a lot of moving parts they have a lot of relief pitching mm-hmm. uh, and so that's going to be a, a, one of the harder assignments for rich hill and company is to kind of come up with a pitching schedule uh, how are they going to utilize all these guys one of the more intriguing newcomers is Ben Ziegler Namoa, mm-hmm. uh, who is out of Baldwin High School, and uh, he's a lefty thrower, but also plays first base, can bang the ball at the plate. I mean, he's he's just a good player. Was a great prospect coming out of high school. Ended up going to Yavapai College for his freshman campaign, and so he's back. And you know, there's some some word that uh, they might be looking at him as almost like a Shohei Otani type of guy, where uh, they're going to use him uh, in multiple ways as a relief pitcher, also as an infielder, also as a bat in the lineup. Uh, and so uh, he brings some possibilities. But it's going to be a lot of decision-making, I think, uh, here going forward this season for Rich Hill and company. Absolutely. And when you talk about the hitting side of things, right, with Ben Ziegler Namoa coming in, I mean, that essentially means that, you know, you have a guy like Jacob Igawa, Bronson Rivera, Aaron Ujimori. When you look at all the positions, right, with Ben probably playing at first base, you have Sean Rimmer probably in right field. Mm-hmm. You have Matt Wong in center, Stone Meow at second, what, Jordan Donahue at short, Kyson Donahue at third, Dallas Duarte at catcher, right? I mean, these are guys yeah. that were balling yeah. last year. But then you throw in Ben and you throw in Rimmer, and that means that Ujimori, Igawa, Rivera, these are guys that are going to become platoon guys, whether it's in left field, whether it's in first base when Ben is not at first base. You have the DH position. You could probably play with that as far as right-handed hitter, left-handed hitter. R- Rivera comes in as a lefty at DH. In certain th- so you have these guys that probably could be playing every single day 
at at one position at a lot of other places that now the University of Hawaii is looking at it like, okay, how do we get these guys involved? How do we make sure that these guys are getting their at bats? That is a phenomenal problem to have. And, and wasn't I, the case last year. And obviously. was not the case last as year. As interesting as it was to have this like almost entirely local lineup, um, and most of the season it was as as incredible as that was. A lot of that was out of necessity. They just didn't really have, dare we say, a ton of other options at a lot of those positions. So it 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 worked out to that sense. I think people really got behind this group of dudes. Uh, but this year, that's that's going to be a different dynamic, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the coaching staff navigates through that yeah and it's like the old commercial right like oh chicks dig the long ball right that was like the nike thing right and that that's what they could never do that commercial. yeah they now. could never do that now and i almost uh when i said it i was like can i say this now but citing a commercial but um but you know essentially that's like you know that's what gets people to the seats right that's yeah. what gets people into les murakami stadium is they want to see this ball they want to see the ball fly over the fence they want to see doubles they want to see offense and i think this university of hawaii baseball team that's what it sets up to be now can the pitching go with it right and i think that's the biggest question mark here this season but i think it's gonna be a lot of fun for fans i'm having a lot of fun i got robbie d uh my man uh, rob demello went two sports director he's in the house and what we're gonna do on the other side of this break we're gonna bust out the bucket we're gonna reach <laughs> in and pull out some questions from the bucket oh questions we have a texter that also uh texted in a fielding a question you know we're just gonna toss that into the bucket and we'll come back with that as well uh so q a time with robbie d uh here on let's talk sports when we come back Nothing like uh, playing a little air ukulele <laughs> to the bumper music coming back. Uh, classic stuff. Let's Talk Sports continues. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu being joined uh, by Rob DeMello. He's the co-host of Special for the day. Uh, he, of course, is the sports director at KHON2. And it's time to uh, pull out the bucket. The bucket O questions. 808-296-1420 is the number if you want to call uh, with a question or comment or you want to text in with a question or comment. In fact, that's where we're going to start. Uh, we have a texter, also 721 number, different texter, we are told, though, uh, who texts in. This will be our first official question of the Bucket of Questions segment. Robin Kanoa, what qualities do you want to see in the new UH athletics director? Ooh. Well, I, I, I think number one, fundraiser. That's number one. Fun the, or fun? Yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. A razor of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think that's number one on the list. And when you look at collegiate athletics today and you look around at the programs that are growing at the pace that you'd like the University of Hawaii to grow at when it comes from a facility standpoint or even just the the, the bells and whistles that come along with a, a program nowadays in order to recruit, it it just all comes from private donations it all comes from how many donors you can get how many people you can get to become friends of the program and uh so to me that's number one on the list who can help take the university of hawaii to the next level from a monetary standpoint um there are a lot of people within that program and at uh that um you know they have academics handled and they have the administration part handled and they can run a collegiate athletics program but i feel like that is what needs to take this program to the next level as far as building facilities and and even just the little things of you know how how can th these programs get 
the amount of uniforms that are matching up against the teams yeah. that they're trying to recruit against and the amount of uh, things around the facility that can entice kids to want to stay. It, it's all just based around the dollar. And, and so it's got to be someone that's, that can do that. Yeah, and it's not just raising funds. Because I do think that that's of the utmost importance, clearly, right, with, with the way college athletics is going, right? Like you have to somehow find a way to get some scratch. But I think it's not just, you know, with the connections that you may have with donors or even good relationships with the legislature, all that stuff for sure is under that umbrella. But I think even someone that can creatively conjure up ideas for new uh, avenues of of revenue gathering, like uh, trying to establish new markets, if you will, for this athletic department. You know, we've talked a long time about trying to see if there's a way to exploit Hawaii's geography as it pertains to going further towards Asia, right, to the far east, as you want to say. Um, but, you know, I think somehow trying to tie, I've always thought University of Hawaii Athletics very much so could be tied into the HTA and the Hawaii Tourism Authority, right, and the efforts to market Hawaii as a destination to Asia, right, and how you see in parts of Japan and other Asian countries how they just absolutely love and eat up so much of the Hawaiian culture. You have all of these musicians and halal that go over there to perform and and it's a very viable market there and so i always thought if there was a way to tie hawaii sports in with that as part of like a a wider scope of the hawaii culture that's available um i think it would behoove the hta on one side to use hawaii as a marketing tool in that way and certainly the benefit would be mutually um it would be mutual for hawaii uh, in that regard by just expanding its potential market making it more of a viable as a TV partner uh, for whatever, you know, conference or, or whatever conglomerate of college programs you might be looking at uh, going into the future. That's one, you know, we've talked about the maybe the sports betting aspect now that that's becoming more and more uh, widely accepted. Uh, the stigma is starting to fade away more and more as, as the years go by when it comes to that topic and maybe trying to utilize the University of Hawaii football team's position as when they play a home game the last game on a Saturday and, and how many people pay attention to that game and kind of carving out a niche for itself, owning that uh, in large part, partnering perhaps with one of these uh, companies like a DraftKings or or even like a um, Circa Sportsbook or something like that. Maybe there's there's revenue to be had and discovered there. So I think someone that has a, a creativity and imagination when it comes to trying to do new things that haven't really been they, – maybe they've been talked about before but haven't necessarily been ventured before. Uh, and then I think the, the other thing for me is team building because, you know, I think we got to get away from the idea of like we got to find that one uh, golden idol individual who's going to be able to do everything and save the day a la Superman or something somebody out of the Marvel comic book movies. Uh, I think you need somebody that can build a team that comprehensively can address all of these things, right? That has expertise or connections in all of these different fields. Um, I, I think that that's what, to me, is the most important. Does it have to be a local person? No. Do they have to have an understanding for Hawaii? For sure, without a doubt. I think that would be irresponsible to not take that into consideration. But I think you can also... Um, kind of compensate for any lack of experience here in Hawaii or growing up or years logged here in the islands if you have somebody that is capable of building an appropriate team that can also address those things. Absolutely. And, you know, when you look around at the landscape of, of college athletics and especially the group of five, 
Right, San Diego State has been linked to the Pac-12 and the growth of the Pac-12. SMU has been linked to the to bringing in new members of the Pac-12, and recently teams like UNLV and Rice have have come into that conversation as well. And when you look at those program, all programs that were part of the Western Athletic Conference at one point, that if in the early 2000s I told you that hey, these four teams could be <laughs> Power Five, you'd roll your eyes at me. Yeah. But when you look at those four teams, that's what separates them from other people. And it's not what the University of Hawaii has. The University of Hawaii isn't like Rice where you can go and knock down the doors of oil tycoons and all these people that you're beckoning call uh, to become boosters here. The University of Hawaii has a much harder time, and so you have to go elsewhere. You have to find creative ways to be able to live like SMU and UNLV and San Diego State, uh, but – you don't have that luxury of being here in the islands. And so, like you said, tapping into Asia, that's a whole nother market yeah. where there are tons of people that could be able to help your program if they want to be a part of your program. The only way that they want to be a part of your program is if they feel that your program is a part of them. Yeah. Right. And so I think that is uh, absolutely there are so many different ways that you can tap into things that have never been tapped into here for the University of Hawaii. And it has to take that special person who has that kind of background in creating those kinds of opportunities. Yeah, I think recognizing that the University of Hawaii is a tool for the tourism industry. You know, if we want to continue to put so many of uh, our um, eggs into that basket, right? And that's a debate and conversation that a lot of people have different views on. But, I mean, it is a realistic aspect of the money generated here in the islands. It's attached to the tourism industry. And the University of Hawaii, to me, is such an essential tool, right? Uh, It is on the back of the University of Hawaii uh, in so many instances that you have events like like the Hawaii Bowl, like the Diamond Head Classic, which market the islands out to the rest of the country during cold weather periods of the year. Uh, And I think that University of Hawaii, year-round, at least through the athletic season, I mean, they're traveling to all of these different places across the country all the time. Uh, And in this day and age where even local Spectrum Sports broadcasts can be viewed anywhere else in the country, like that is a marketing tool that represents not just the University of Hawaii as an institution, but Hawaii as a place, as a location, as a destination. And I just feel like the University of Hawaii could probably stand up a little straighter and recognize its own value Mm -hmm. in that equation and maybe demand to have a little bit more support or a little more tie-in to some of what is uh, endeavored on the part of, of the Hawaii Tourism Authority. I, j- I just think that, that that's something that is worthy of discussion, um, uh, hopefully uh, between people who are much smarter uh, than I am <laughs> that can uh, figure out how to actually uh, use that uh, to the Hawaii's advantage. All right, let's uh, dip further into... I'll tell you what, this is a small bucket because we're going to run out of time pretty soon. I know, it's a It's a happy meal pail <laughs> that you get uh, in October. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's dip into the thin questions. <laughs> uh, let's see. We do have a texture that get it. We'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, here we go. Here's the the first question that I pull out of the thimble. What is the first Super Bowl you remember watching? Oh, you know it's funny. There's there's layers to this for me because the first Super Bowl I remember seeing on television it was the 49ers Bengals Super Bowl, right? And then the next year was 49ers Broncos, and I remember. So that that 49ers-Bengals one was the first one I saw on TV. The next year, 49ers-Broncos was the first time I actually kind of knew what this was. Uh Like, oh, it's the Super Bowl. It's it's the two teams playing for the NFL championship. And then the following year was 
Bills Giants, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're and, right. Yeah. Um, that's the one that I remember. Like, okay, by then I was all in, and I knew who all the players were. I knew exactly. I knew how they got there. I'd followed the playoffs, and so I think that's kind of the the uh, the transformation of of Super Bowl and understanding what, what, how big of a week this is. Yeah, my first. I, I remember it, it is because uh, there was this incredible. Um, music video that was attached to it. It was the Super Bowl Shuffle by okay. the Chicago Bears. And so, yeah, it was Bears, Patriots, the 85 Bears, uh, one of the great defenses uh, in the history of the NFL. That was the first Super Bowl that I just remember, like, oh, this is like a thing. This is like a game. And, you know, I probably had seen others, but it just didn't register. That was the first time where I was like, I understood what the Super Bowl was. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is a pretty cool thing. And, uh, yeah, I've been tuning in most of the time ever since. Yeah, life was never the <laughs> same after that. <laughs> That's right. In fact, I played uh, for the Kalaniano Ole Athletic Club Twins, right? The baseball organization. I think I was uh, in Mustang at the time. And uh, we totally, uh, it would have been an absolute uh, plagiarism case on the part of the Chicago Bears because we totally ripped off the song and we did our own version. We called it the KAC Shuffle. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Can you perform it for us? Right uh, now, yes, I will. It? During this <laughs> break. No, all right. Uh, <laughs> we don't have time for any more questions. We do have a texter real quick uh, from 497 saying, live streaming all events for a fee available to everyone, not just cable subscribers, a way to get uh, UH content out there. All right, so something to, to ponder here. But we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll finish the show with our best and worst. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy in the house, along with Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director. Anything you wanted to add uh, to what we were talking about prior to the break? We, we kind of rambled a little bit as the commercial was going. I don't know if you want to get any of those thoughts on the air. Uh... I don't know if we have enough time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, we might not. You're right. Like, I, put, I put you in a tough decision like, there, I think. I was about to start, and I was like, we're not getting out of this anytime yeah, soon. Yeah. So maybe we'll save it for next, next week. Next Thursday. That's <laughs> yeah. what you call a tease in the biz. Uh, <laughs> tune in Thursday for the rest of Rob DeMello's thoughts on the topic of UH Sports. There is a lot to, to get into and unpack, though, and I think it, it is a very comprehensive thing. And we're not here trying to pretend that we have the solution, uh, but I think that there are a lot of, of varying layers that are going to play into trying to to get this thing into a healthier position anyway time to end our show with our best and worst rob do you have a best and i, I have a, worst? a best i have a best well, you always have a best all right so no and you're gonna like this best because you know i'm not the biggest nba guy right when we work together and you know you you're mr nba and you're always watching it and i i just wasn't all that into it and i followed it somewhat and i'm a pelicans fan and uh you know when they're doing good i guess i'm interested and when they're not it's not as interesting but i gotta say the last 24 hours or last 36 hours of the nba between lebron james breaking the all-time scoring record going into the craziest trade deadline that i could remember the NBA is interesting right now, man, and I am very much looking forward to the Western Conference playoffs to see Kyrie Irving with Dallas and now Kevin Durant with Phoenix. The Lakers pretty much have a brand new team uh, built around LeBron James, and, and so uh, yeah, I'm 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 all in on the NBA 
Uh, we'll see how long this lasts, but I'm very interested right now. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm also in on it uh, because it's also kind of my best. Um, the trade deadline coming and going. We had some blockbuster trades. I think it's going to make for some very interesting uh, run to the playoffs and through the playoffs, certainly in the Western Conference. Uh, but one of the trades involved Malik Beasley, who went to the Lakers. <laughs> and yeah. so technically, Malik Beasley and Scottie Pippen Jr. are now teammates. Why is that significant? Because Malik Beasley dated Scotty's mom. That's right. Uh, she used to be with his dad. Then she was with Malik Beasley. I think she's with like somebody else now too. I, I don't know, but um, that's got to be kind of an awkward conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. That's... Hey, Scotty. <laughs> How's your mom doing? Oh, man. Oh, I know. Sorry. Maybe that should have been my worst. What's your worst, Rob? Wait, that wasn't your worst? No, that was my best. <laughs> that was your best? I think it's hilarious. <laughs> that was your... I, uh, I don't have a worst, man. I'm sorry. You got to be kidding me. I... Yeah, I just don't have a worst. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm trying to think here. Why don't you give your worst? If I come up with the worst, I'll give you okay, mine. Okay. Uh, there was a Oklahoma high school basketball game that ended in the final score of four to two. It was uh, two high school boys basketball teams in Oklahoma. Six total points were scored. It was Weatherford High School and Anadarko High School. Um, in about 40 states, including Oklahoma, high school basketball does not currently have a shot clock. We oh, know something about that. Yeah. Uh, and so as an Iolani alum, um, yeah, that looked like a normal little <laughs> yeah. final score to me. Oh, the game plan <laughs> was run perfectly. <laughs> That's exactly what happened, I guess, after a couple of the first buckets. The teams just, like, stalled for the entire half, stalled for most of the second half. And so final score, very fan-friendly. Four to two. Yeah, that shot clock can't come soon enough. So that's why that had to be my worst, and I had to bump Malik Beasley and Scottie Pippen Jr. being teammates to the best category. Well, I didn't have a worst. You could have just, you know, <laughs> there, you took my worst. You could have done two worst and no best. All right. Well, um, we tried our best, that's for <laughs> sure, and we'll do it again next Thursday. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Josh. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Let's talk sports.